Tradition dictates that a bride carries something old, something new, something borrowed, and something blue on her wedding day. Well, it's been 52 years, and I can't remember what was borrowed, but I do remember what was blue, because I took it off Marilyn's leg. <laughs> As did John to Becky last week. You know, I'm not sure if Becky followed all the bridal traditions, but I would guess that she did. They certainly had a beautiful, traditional wedding celebration. And wedding traditions are not only fun, they're important. They bind families and friends together in the present, they acknowledge the past, and they anticipate the future. And in our text for today, the Apostle John speaks of something that is both old and new, that when carried into a marriage, not only blesses it, but guarantees its success. In fact, it's something that needs to be carried into every relationship of life, including our relationship with God. It's a command that's old and new. Now, in reading through this passage, we will be able to figure out what the command is, but we'll have to go through it again to find out what makes it both old and new. We're in 1 John chapter 2. We're going to begin by reading verses 7 through 11. Beloved, I am not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The one who says he's in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. John says he's writing a commandment that is both old and new. But he doesn't come right out and tell us what it is. Now, some have suggested it's the ought in the preceding verse. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. Others suggest John is simply talking about obedience. That if we know him, we will keep his commandments. But John seems to be talking about a specific command. And while he doesn't spell it out, we, we get the feeling that he's talking about love, a command that is indeed old and new. In the midst of a catalog of laws found in Leviticus, we do find a command we may not have expected to find in the Old Testament. You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people. 
but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. When Jesus said that last part, he was quoting the Old Testament, something he did quite often. So surprisingly, perhaps, the command to love your neighbor is as old as the Mosaic law, as is the command to love the Lord. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. So the command to love your neighbor and God is as old as the Old Testament. And the word John used for old means old in time, not outdated or antiquated. He's simply saying it's been around for a long time. But Jesus said he was giving us a new commandment when he told us to love one another. A new commandment I give that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Now, the word Jesus used here for new doesn't refer to new in time, but new in kind. It's not a new law, but there is something new about it. Let's see if we can figure out how it differs from the old. Let's go back and start again. Beloved, I am not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment, which you've had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. Now, the command, as we've already noted, was not new in time. It was, in fact, a very old commandment, one they had had, Jesus says, from the beginning, or John says, from the beginning. Now, we can't be certain as to which beginning John is referring, the beginning of God's revelation to man as reflected in the law, or simply the beginning of his reader's relationship to God. But either way, the commands weren't new to them. As long as men had known God, his commands had been known. But again, John apparently had a specific command in mind. He began by speaking in general terms of a new and an old commandment, using indefinite articles that could refer to any or all of the commandments. But then he narrowed it down and referred to one of the old commandments as the word they had heard. There was one commandment he knew they had heard, because it's the foundational commandment upon which all commandments are based, and it is therefore the most important commandment of all. But which one is it? Well, that question should sound familiar because Jesus was once asked the same thing. And one of the scribes came and heard them arguing, and recognizing that he had answered them well, asked him, what commandment is the foremost of all? Jesus answered, The foremost is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Jesus said there is no other commandment 
greater than the command to love. And Paul explained why that is true. He says, Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another, for he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For this, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, it is summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. Love is the fulfillment of the law. All of the laws are contained and fulfilled in the command to love. One of the early church fathers put it this way, love God and do as you please. <laughs> now that is not libertarian. It's not licensed to simply say you love Jesus and then do whatever you want to do. Now, what it's saying is that if you love God with all your heart and soul and mind, you are freed from the constraints of the law because you won't need them. You'll want to do those things that please God. You know, there are laws against child abuse and laws that require us to feed and clothe and educate our children. But how many of us wake up in the morning or used to wake up in the morning thinking, I better get up and see to the needs of my kids this morning or I'll be in trouble with the law. You know, if I don't make sure they're clean, the health department will be on my doorstep. If I don't fix them a breakfast and a lunch, the DCFF will be calling. If I don't get them to school, a truant officer will be after my child and me. No, we, we don't even think about the law when doing those things. We think of our children and their needs, and we meet them because we love them. By the same token, if we love God and our neighbor, we're not going to need a law to tell us not to kill him, not to cheat him, not to steal his wife, not to kill him. Love motivates us to obey God's law without thinking about it. Now, we do need to be taught what the loving thing is from God's perspective. He knows how things will end. He knows that sometimes what we think to be loving will have consequences we didn't see coming. And sometimes the most loving thing to do causes temporary pain and displeasure. It may even seem unloving at the moment. And that's quite frankly why the new morality of the 60s quickly degenerated into the old immorality. It ignored the absolutes God revealed, absolutes that guarantee our actions will prove to be loving in the long run. Well, the Old Testament took care of that problem for us. We now know what is right and what is wrong. God revealed it, and we accepted it. Now the emphasis can be on the command that motivates us to obey God's law without even thinking about it or the penalties for not obeying it. Now we can just think about how to best show love. 
So yes, love is commanded in the Old Testament, but there's a new emphasis on love in the New Testament and a new example. Back to verse 8. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. John said he was writing a new commandment that was true in him and in them. The darkness was passing away and the true light was already shining. Now you may have noticed that the word him is capitalized. And both him and the true light is talking about Jesus. The new commandment is made true in Jesus. He is love embodied and exemplified. He is the true light that shows what love is and how love is to be expressed. Now, I think it's easy to see that we've demeaned the word love by the way we use it. We, we love God, wife, children, dog, school, sports, and asparagus. You know, if we feel the same way about God as we do asparagus, we're in trouble. If we feel the same way about a neighbor as we do asparagus, he's in trouble. So what is love? Well, no one defined it better than the Apostle Paul. Love is patient. Love is kind. And is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. Does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. I think it's pretty well agreed that no one defined love better than Paul. And no one demonstrated better than Jesus. Do you want to know how to love your parents? Look to Jesus. He submitted to them. Do you want to know how to show love to your neighbor? Look to Jesus. He was touched by their needs and did something about it. Do you want to know how to love your coworkers? Look to Jesus' example with the disciples, his understanding, his forgiveness, his encouragement. Do you want to know how to love your enemies? Look to Jesus on the cross. He is the light that drives the darkness away, the day spring from on high who revealed God's love and taught us how to love. We've already read what Jesus said about the command to love in John 13, 24, but we're going to go back and look at it again. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And he said it again in John 15, 12 through 14. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. 
You are my friends if you do what I command you. We are to love as he loved. How did he love? He loved sacrificially. And Paul pointed to that sacrificial love when telling husbands how to love their wives. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. The command to love is new in emphasis, it's new in example, and it's new in exclusivity. Don't try to look that up. I made it up. Verses 9 through 11. The one who says he's in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. You know, it's easy to talk about love, but not easy to do. In fact, it makes me nervous to preach about love, because I know some will be thinking that I don't practice what I preach. That if I really loved, I would have done this or that. And there are no doubt times I could have and should have been more loving, times when I missed an opportunity to, to demonstrate the love of Christ in a meaningful way. But I would venture to say, so have you. We all fail in this area of showing love. None of us is as loving as we should be. None of us have equaled Jesus in showing love. So no, we, we don't measure up. But that must not keep us from talking about love and even exhorting one another to love as he loves. It would be hypocritical, however, to even say that we're trying to love as he loves if there is hatred in our heart. If we are walking in the light of God's love, we cannot hate. But what is hate? Some would define hatred as a simple failure to show love, and in a sense, that is true. But John speaks of being blinded by hatred and its subsequent darkness. A strong emotion is in view here, not just the absence of love and John will make that clear in the next couple of chapters. In chapter 3, verse 15, he writes, Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. And in 420, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. So John is talking about active, malevolent, hatred here. He's saying we cannot hate our brother while walking in the light. And he's not using the word brother to the exclusion of others. You know, the Jews believed it was okay to hate their brothers. I'm sorry, to hate their enemies. But Jesus disagreed in the Sermon on the Mount. 
You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies. There's no room for hatred for anyone in the life of a Christian. We are to be people who love exclusively. Not in the sense that we are selective in our love, that we exclude some from it, but with with exclusivity. (laughs) The love we have excludes hatred from our life. If there's any hatred in our life, darkness is creeping back in. The light is being obscured and we are no longer walking in the light. If that's true, we're bound to stumble and cause others to stumble because we can no longer see where we're going. We've lost sight of our goal. We're no longer walking in the light of his love, but in the shadow of our own hatred. And it's impossible to fulfill the command to love while walking in the darkness of hatred. We will never love as Jesus loved as long as we harbor hatred in our heart for anyone, no matter what they've done. So we must love with exclusivity, without any hatred at all, if we are to fulfill the old commandment that has become the new commandment. And the way to rid yourself of all hatred is to experience the love that Christ has for you. An amazing love into which he has invited us all.